Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Sophie Green is the best-selling author of the inaugural meeting of the Fairvale Ladies Book Club, the Shelley Bay Ladies Swimming Circle, and Thursdays at Orange Blossom House. Today I'm talking to Sophie Green about her new book, The Bellbird River Country Choir. Sophie, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you very much, Greg. The Bellbird River Country Choir is a slice of real life from a country town almost like a diorama that's been set in motion somehow. But where are we? Uh, we are in uh, Liverpool Plains region of New South Wales, so uh, a little bit southwest of Tamworth. It's a fictional town, uh, but I know that region well, and uh, it's it's very special to me because I uh, spend a lot of time in and around the Australian country music industry. So uh, I just thought knowing that countryside, having driven those roads often when I wanted to come up with a fictional town, that was the only place for me that I was going to set it. The people that populate your book, they're either living in or they've recently descended upon the town of Bellbird River. What do each of them hope to find there? I think uh, I'm not sure that, that any of them is necessarily looking for anything so much as they're looking to escape the past, uh, even if they're not conscious of that or the, or their past has changed, their situation has changed and they have to manage that change. So I'm... I, I guess in in some circumstances, people do move in order, yes, to to discover something and change their lives. Some of them, like Alex, are trying to change their circumstances so they can have a better life. Some of them, there are two who have moved there, Alex, Debbie. Debbie's definitely trying to outrun her past or at least tuck it behind her as much as she can. Uh, Gabrielle has returned to Bellbird River and uh, is not entirely happy about it, but it seems to be the only place she can go. And Victoria is very much wedged into the town to the point where I'm surprised she's not a piece of furniture. And uh, and then Janine, who is the town baker, is, is also, I think, so fundamentally part of the town that she's not sure to an extent where she ends and the town begins. Well, I think, as you say in the book, baked goods are an essential part of life. Yeah, well, I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> so let's start maybe with those characters. Let's start with the fixture of the town, Victoria. What's going on with Victoria? Her life has undergone a huge ruction, and um, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that uh, it's because her husband has left her for the mayor's wife. And uh, Victoria has, I think, without even necessarily knowing it about herself, prided herself on on being this very upstanding member of town. She's the town matriarch in a lot of ways. Her family has been in the town for quite a while. Um, she would feel that the town is almost hers to run, even though she doesn't necessarily hold that status over other people. But, you know, she's really mindful of what people think about her. And in a small community, I think you are. You know, it's everyone's present and witnessing your life and you're really aware of them knowing about you and having opinions about your life. And um, and so when this happens to her, it came out of the blue, she was expecting to settle into comfortable 
late middle to old age um, with her husband and uh, then he up and tells her that, you know, he, he's fallen in love and it's not with her. So um, she reacts as a lot of people would with um, quite a bit of anger and um, uh, brim and brio and um, he's he leaves the house and she's alone for the first time in her adult life. Enter Gabrielle, Victoria's cousin. What effect does Gabrielle have on Victoria's life and what's she doing there in the first place? Well, Gabrielle was a character who was never going to have a point of view originally. I thought I was just going to have four. Having said that, I did plan the book originally with five that I thought, oh, no, I'll go to four. And I sort of shunted Gabrielle to the side. And then she really insisted on having her own point of view in the novel. And I think that's typical of her as a character throughout the book. Gabrielle insists on being uh, present in a lot of scenarios and uh, and she is operating who's had an operation and lost some on her vocal cords and lost some of her notes or she can't perform them the way she used to. So suddenly her work is not possible and her identity is also under threat because being an opera singer is, well, it's, it's, it is an intrinsic part of her, but it's also the way she left Bellbird River. She wanted a bigger life. She wanted an artistic life. She wanted to travel overseas and this town was just too small for her. But when she's trying to put herself back together because she doesn't want the people who know her from her working life to know what's happened. She comes scurrying back to her cousin, Victoria, uh, and uh, they haven't seen each other for a long time, but they've been in touch by letter because, you know, it's this book is set um, in the late 1990s and letters were still a thing if, if someone was travelling overseas. So uh, letters, the occasional phone call and the occasional visit by Victoria overseas, but Gabrielle has stayed away from Bilbert River because she does think, it's a little beneath her, uh, but she doesn't think Victoria is beneath her. So she comes back to the warm embrace of her cousin. It's a bit like um, Gabrielle's the diva of the book, might I say, but let's turn to someone who's absolutely not a diva, and that's Janine. Janine is the town baker in the bakery that her parents established, and she's worked in it from teenage years and I think felt she would too with a life outside Belgium, River, but it hasn't happened that way for a variety of reasons, one of which is that her brother became ill when she was in her late teens and she just feels like she can't, has never been able to move forward with her life. His illness is permanent. It's a mental illness. Um, she feels that she owes it to him to be around and to support him, especially when her parents really don't want anything to do with him. And uh, and that's more because they're struggling to comprehend how this has happened, I think, than, than, than being bad people. They're not bad people. Uh, I think Janine tries to eke out uh, as much of a life for herself as she feels she's allowed. She feels her responsibilities keenly. Uh, she's a very creative person and she tries to find her creative outlets where she can. She joined the choir because it's part of the town and, well, what else is she going to do with her time? She doesn't have a lot of friends She's just someone who's really let life take her over instead of being in control of it. And um, I think we see throughout the story her trying to take back control of that life as best she can. Now, let's talk about Debbie. Now, Debbie really does have a past. Yeah, uh, I don't want to give too much away about Debbie because I'd like people to read it and find out. But suffice to say, Debbie's made some mistakes and she's paid for them and um, she's aware that she's paid for them and she's still paying for them. And those mistakes have meant that she's actually estranged from her children. Her ex-husband took the children from Sydney and moved them to Tamworth and uh, Debbie has moved to the area, to the Bellbird River area, to be closer to them and try to re-establish a relationship even though her ex-husband's not of a mind to do that. Uh, but she's she's a decent person. She just made a mistake and we can all make mistakes. 
she's owned up to that mistake and she wants to progress and and I think fundamentally she just wants to be their mother again even though she realizes that the relationship is never going to be the same as it was and that is her eternal heartbreak. Let's talk about Alex. She's the new girl in town. What's she doing there? Alex is a sole parent. Um, She always has been. She got pregnant in her final year of school. She decided to keep the baby. That baby is now Kimberly, who is uh, in uh, her final years of primary school. And Alex is a teacher who's been, who's grew up in Sydney. Her mother's there. Uh, Kimberly grew up there as well, but Sydney as the Sydney 2000 Olympics approach, um, because that's the the time frame we're in, is becoming really, really busy. And I've drawn on my own memories of Sydney around that time for that, because the city really did heat up hot. Uh, and it, she feels that her life is not workable in the way she'd like it to be. She's not seeing her daughter enough. Uh, she's spending an hour each way commuting. She really wants to have more time with Kim. So when the opportunity comes up to take a, a job teaching in a high school in a country town, she decides to take it. And uh, feeling that you know if they're in a small town, they'll be closer together. She'll seek Kim more uh, and they might have more of a life. So she moves Kim to Bellbird River, leaving Kim's grandmother, Alex's mother, behind, uh, much to Kim and her grandmother's consternation. Alex is fairly happy to get out from underneath her mother's thumb, but uh, as time goes on, it becomes clear that the two generations on either side of her are less than happy with that situation. Now, before we talk about the choir, I want to talk about the men because we've only talked about the women in this book. Well, they do have the points of view, so. <laughs> I was going to ask what part they play in Verbal River, apart from appearing to be the source of many of the problems and, of course, making up the numbers in the bass and tenor sections of the choir. And for that matter, why do they always have to stay back after rehearsal to work on their parts? But that's another question. So what part do the men play in Bellbird River? Well, I think in all of my novels, the men have supporting roles. Um, and uh, that's because, as I said, the points of view belong to the women. And that's what I'm interested in writing about. Uh, and I also like to write stories where relationships with men are not at the forefront for these women. Their relationships with themselves and with each other are the main part of the story. But, you know, there are some very nice men in Bellbird River. Jimbo um, is a member of the choir who's been a bit sweet on Victoria. Um, Warwick. Warwick doesn't seem like a bad guy. Warwick's not a bad guy. Um, As so often with the characters I write, they tell me who they are, that I just see them and I think, who is this person? And I saw Warwick and thought, who's that guy? He's tall and he seems to be the choir master. Um, And that was as much as I knew when I started to write him and then uh, his story unfolded. Um, And Warwick's another one who he doesn't have a point of view, but his story is not unlike some of the others in that he came to Belbo River for a particular reason and has stayed and is trying to make the best of his life there despite some setbacks. Uh, He's also creatively motivated um, and passionate about what he does and I think good at connecting people. Let's talk about the choir, which is the focal point of this book. What role does the Bellbird River Country Choir play in the lives of all of these characters? I think it gives them a place to go every week. <laughs> and quite often in, in small communities, those sorts of activities provide that that focal point for the week. It's like I'm looking forward to, to going to bridge or whatever it is and seeing my friends and, and the choir is that for, I think for Janine more than she'd like to admit, it's, it's a chance for her to actually socialize with other people. Uh, For Alex, it's 
an opportunity to meet new people. And for Debbie, it's a, it's a chance to be musical again. She's a, a very musical person and she hasn't been able to explore that part of herself and, and her nature for quite a long time. Victoria joins the choir because she wants Gabrielle to join it, because she thinks Gabrielle should keep up performance. It's, you know, she recognises that, that Gabrielle probably needs that. Um, it's not... Uh, mentioned in the text, but I think partly Victoria also just wants to have a break <laughs> from having Gabrielle on her own uh, but because they adore each other, but Gabrielle can hard work. Uh, so I think for each of them it's just it's it's an activity. It's, it's not really a main driver in their lives, but it, it's just something to do. It's something that takes them out of themselves. It puts them in the community. And so many other people in the town are there that it is a great chance to catch up and share gossip. I was going to say that, well, love does play a part in the community of Bellwood River. It seems to me that friendship is a much stronger driving force. And I wondered whether you saw friendship as the therapy for these people. I think, yes, in that it could be therapy for everyone. Although I do say with this novel that there is a love story and it's Victoria and Gabrielle um, because their, their love for each other has gone on their entire lives and it's it's stronger than the events that have happened to them. Uh so, I, yeah, I think, well, we probably all use our friends as therapists a little bit. Um, but friendship is also a way to, to find out who you are because in relation to another person, you've, you find out how you're going to behave in certain circumstances and what you're going to say and how you're going to feel. And without other people there, if we're just isolated in, in and of ourselves, I don't know that we ever truly find out who we are because we can tell ourselves stories about what's going on and we need the other to be a reflection and, and to prod us and poke us and challenge us and also give us support, as our friends do. And it seems to me that the friendships and the developing friendships are actually the drivers of the plot. The plot isn't traditional in that sense. Yeah, I think um, actually though friendship is less of a focus in this novel than it has been in my previous novels um, because in this one uh, they don't form a friendship as a group. As I said, Victoria and Gabrielle are a love story in and of themselves and they are each other's main support. And the other three form connections without the friendship itself being the, the reason why the story exists, if that makes sense. I think the... Uh, the choir is the reason the story exists, and that's certainly what came to me first. But um, I personally didn't put them at a point early on where they were all these type buddy friendships, and 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 that was all that was going on. Because I realised early on that Victoria and Gabrielle had their own little world, and I was never going to be able to make them be best friends with people outside of their duo. Let's talk about the repertoire of the Bilbo okay. River Country Choir. <laughs> Um, well, what is it? Who decides what's rejected and what is accepted? And how, well, first of all, I've got to say, I was very pleased to see that there was a no Farnham policy. That pleased me. <laughs> I but- love John Farnham songs. I was, I didn't want there personally to be a no Farnham policy. <laughs> I just wondered how does the repertoire reflect what's happening in the town of Bellwood River? Well, it's more about what's suitable for performance and having been in the odd choir myself and um, been in a band at one stage, uh, you know, you've got to think of the audience. And so when Warwick rejects over and over again the Slim Dusty suggestion that comes from Jimbo, it's because, you know, he doesn't think that that's really going to wash with the audience. Um, and so I think they are really mindful of the concerts they have coming up, of the songs that are going to work. They have to be songs with that have the potential for harmony. So I did approach this as a as someone who 
loves music and and knows a fair amount about music, uh, thinking about the songs that would, would work in a choir setting uh, with, with a little bit of fancifulness thrown in because uh, this uh, Alanis Morissette's Ironic is mentioned quite early on and that was, uh, that was mainly to annoy Victoria. You write about country music in your blog, Sunburnt Country Music. Are you a musician yourself? And how much of your musical interest and your observations infiltrates this town of Bellbird River? I am a musician. I've been playing piano since childhood. I've been playing guitar for a few years. For a while I played bass and heaven helped me recorder at school for many, many years. And I also sing. Um, and I was in a, my introduction to country music came through being in a country music band. Actually, I was in a covers band that a friend put together and I was a real snob about country music actually, but I wanted to be in her band and thought, you know, I could tolerate the country music. And then we played at the Tamworth Country Music Festival and I had this conversion because the music I discovered there, the level of musicianship, the excellence of everything that was going on was was just, it still, you know, it blows my mind every time I go to that festival. And so I thought, oh, maybe I should look at this Australian country music as a genre. And since then, it's, it's been the main thing I've, I've listened to and I love it so much I decided to start writing about it. Um, my knowledge of being in school choirs and uh, in a band definitely informed the politics and dynamics of the choir in this novel because uh, I know very well those negotiations that have to go on when you have people in a musical setting. The band I was in had six people that could get pretty heated at times uh, not everyone does agree with song choice. Some people have different opinions about what the harmony should be. And so that was just six of us. And I think if you extend that out to people who are doing it in, a, in their own town and have opinions about what should happen in their town, that also has an impact on what they think the music should be and how it's going to be performed and what songs should go in what concert because to them the stakes are different than just someone who might be in a choir in a city um, although I don't know, I haven't been in a choir in a city, so maybe it's just as fraught. It just occurred to me at that moment, with all the heartbreak that's going on in Billboard River, I wondered why Aggie Breaky Heart didn't make an appearance. Well, I did look, that could have caused a huge Barney in the choir if that had been raised, and I already have, you know, some disappointment going on with the no Farnham policy, so I just thought I'd restrict the drama to, um, to Farnham instead of... But, yeah, Aggie Breaky Heart, who knows? Could be a sequel. No, no, no I don't write sequels. <laughs> Bellwood River explores the everyday interactions between people, and in doing that you illuminate the distances between them, near or far, the divisions and differences and the things in common. Are you a sociologist in disguise? <laughs> no, uh, but I do observe people a lot and um, I think over the course of interviewing people a lot as I have on the country music side of things you know I, I pick up all sorts of things about people and their lives and what matters to them but I think if you're an active listener in day-to-day life you do tend to pick up a lot about people and what matters to them and um, what's upsetting them what's making them happy uh, the concerns they have and so I always like to have my ears open when I'm talking talking to anyone and uh, humans are endlessly fascinating and I think most of us are just trying to work out the best way to be uh, and part of my job as as a writer, as a storyteller, I think is to give people some um, escape from day-to-day life, some solace, some reflection. I think that fiction can serve a whole lot of purposes uh, but I'm always really mindful that I'm, I'm doing it for other people. I'm not 
doing it for myself. And um, that's my way of connecting with others. Sophie Green, thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you very much, Greg. I've been talking to Sophie Green about her book, The Bellbird River Country Choir. It's published by Hachette, and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.